You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of The 30. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out online for all your written content at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, it's one of the best in the business. You can catch him on ESPN Radio, ESPN TV, Sideline Reporting. Mr. George, George is there anything you don't do for ESPN that we that we don't know about behind the scenes? Uh, I don't clean the floors as of yet, but if they ask me and it'll let me keep my job, I will. <laughs> well, you're out in Phoenix and we'll jump into some Sixers talk, uh, for this one. They're taking on a Celtics team that has been super impressive, obviously coming off the NBA finals loss that we saw last season, sitting at 25, 20 and five, the top record in the NBA. Uh, just want to get your quick thoughts on Boston. When you're looking at the NBA landscape, do you have the Celtics like far ahead of the rest of the field? in order to become eventual NBA champions this season? Uh, I don't have them far ahead of the field, mostly because I believe Milwaukee is just as good as them, particularly once they're healthy now that Middleton is back. I did that game on Friday between the Bucks and the Lakers, and I know the Lakers won that game with an incredible Anthony Davis performance. But I, I still think when push comes to shove, Milwaukee will be in that mix to win a championship as well. Look, I think it's very possible that the winner of the Eastern Conference uh, could end up being the team to beat. Uh, as good as the West is from top to bottom, I think that the East is more top heavy. If I had to pick the best two teams, if I, would do it, I, was, if I was doing a power rankings right now uh, in the entire NBA, it would be Celtics Bucks at the top. And then there would be probably some West teams in there at the moment. But yeah, so I don't think it's just the Celtics. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't seen them up close yet bunch of their games particularly recently I watched that game against Toronto on a back-to-back which I thought was fascinating to watch I watched their Nets game uh I look they're legitimately incredible to watch and they've taken a leap I feel like from last season mostly because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have done a fantastic job of just driving into the paint they're not settling anymore for jumpers which I think is a bit or was a big problem for them individually and as a team obviously they needed those guys to get to the line more and I think Brogdon has been an incredible addition because they just needed somebody to settle them down and actually run offense for them. And so he's been fantastic for them too. But Milwaukee with their championship pedigree, Giannis being the best player on the planet in my estimation, and they just have the right guys around him, including a guy like Brooke Lopez. We forgot how good he is, uh, particularly on defense. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. I just think those two teams are at the top and we're talking about uh, a little bit of a gap certainly between them and, and the next group of teams. Yeah. And, and speaking of that next group of teams, you mentioned there in the, in the Eastern conference, the Cavs have looked pretty good, you know, started off 
really well, had that losing streak, five game losing streak, now sitting at 16 and nine themselves. And then you have that gap. And, you know, coming into this from a Sixers perspective, the team that I cover, we were looking at this like, okay, coming into the season, Boston, Milwaukee, I think clearly were the favorites in terms of preseason predictions. And then we looked at it. Okay, who are you going to have in that next tier? Of course, Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, although that's been a bit of a circus uh, to start the season. The Nets are starting to find their footing a little bit. Um, then you got the Sixers and and looking at this team and it's been frustrating and it's been annoying and, and and people are saying this, that they just don't care at this point right now because they've been brutal to watch. They haven't been able to get on a run here, although obviously you had injuries with Embiid missing four games, Harden back now, but they ended up coming up short in that double OT loss to the Rockets on Monday. When you're looking at this Sixers squad, uh, Tyrese Maxey, though, good news coming from this morning and we're recording this on a Wednesday is that he was back at practice again, no timeline yet when he's going to return officially, but starting to get some more on court work going there. So they'll have their big three back. But when you look at the Sixers team, George made all those moves in the off season, bringing in PJ Tucker, bringing in Dan Wellhouse, bringing in DeAnthony Melton, who's been very good so far. What do you think the issue has been aside from the injuries? Cause I know that people are looking at this in Philly and saying they're tired of the doc river stuff. And then you're well plugged in around the league. Is there any sentiment as to why the Sixers have struggled with Doc kind of calling the shots? I do think injuries have played the biggest factor mm -hmm. here, though. Let's not minimize that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. You know, but that, uh, coaches, I think, have uh, – God, they have such a tough job, right, in this sense. And, look, I get the criticisms on Doc, and I understand them, okay? So I, I'm not trying to dismiss those. Uh, criticisms or even concerns potentially about Doc. But I, I just think that when this team, you know, without it being healthy and it having had a requisite amount of games for us to see what it looks like, I think that that becomes really challenging for any coach. I don't care who you are. I'll give you an example. Uh, a team I'm very familiar with for many, many years because I covered them for many years, the Miami Heat. You know, Jimmy Butler hasn't played a lot of games this year. Bam Adebayo missed games. Tyler Hero missed a ton of games. I mean, there's basically everybody but Kyle Lowry basically has missed games or a, a decent amount of games this year for them. And their record is not great. I believe they're 10 and 14 right now or something in that range off the top of my head. Yeah, 11, 11 and, and 14, have, yeah. 11 and 14. And they have the best coach in the league probably. So, you know what I mean? Like if, if your team's not healthy and you can't get it right, like it just it puts a coach in a really enviable position. So I, I don't want to put this all on Doc because I feel like that's just kind of the lazy, easy way out. And again, acknowledging that some of the criticisms and, and concerns uh, historically uh, about Doc, uh, and particularly with this team, can be fair. I understand that. Look, nobody is perfect. But to me, when you don't have – when you miss Embiid for a minute, when you're miss, missing Harden for most of the season, when you're missing Maxi for a good chunk of the season now, uh, really, your mainstay of as far as like your starting caliber players and guys who can truly make a, a huge impact uh, on the team, or at least are expected to make a big impact and contribution. The only one that's really been there for most of the season is Tobias. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that when you don't have that complete puzzle, uh, you know, to assemble, I think, it, you know, you're going to have some struggles there, I think. So, look. I, I think that if I were the Sixers fans, the, the concern I would have is this, okay? I think that particularly when it comes to James and Joel, 
I know they're running a lot of pick and roll or they, you know, they, they, you know, we saw that in their last game, but it feels like when they're running pick and roll, it's still a lot of isolation. They're not running it in unison. You know, there's not like any synergy or chemistry there. Um, and, you know, I'll use the, the Lakers as an example because they have certainly struggled in, in a lot of regards, certainly last year and this year. But most recently, I think what I've seen from them that I think is, is effective beyond Anthony Davis being just a monster <laughs> over the last 10 games or whatever it's been prior to the flu uh, issues that he's suffered is the minutes without LeBron have not been detrimental to them, where that's kind of been the case since he's been there. And it was certainly the case last year. The rust minutes without LeBron were not great. And this year, the rust AD minutes have been good. And do you know why? It's because they're running the pick and roll really well together. And they're running it together, which is the key word. And it feels like when I watch Joel and I watch James, there's just not not that chemistry there between those two. It just feels like someone, you know, one of them sets a pick and then, you know, James just kind of pounds the ball and, you know, then tries to kind of isolate. Or if he gets, you know, if he gets the pick and roll, he gets it to Joel and Joel just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll kind of stand there at the elbow and kind of jab step or start to dribble and work his magic from there. It's not them running it in unison as like a, uh, a unit that feels like, hey, this thing is working together. And when I saw Russ and AD the last couple of games, I feel like, oh, wow, that's how that pick and roll should look like. That looks pretty good, actually. And I'm, I've yet to see that from Harden and Embiid. Granted, um, not a ton of games together historically or and certainly not this season. But in, in their most recent effort, particularly against Houston, I, I just didn't love what I saw there. Now, is that a doctrine? Yeah, probably a little bit. Like there's some coaching there, but there's only so much you can do as a coach when you call that play and the guys don't want to execute it properly. Yes, you can hold them accountable. Uh, you can talk to them about it. You can go over it in film sessions. But, you know, like at the end of the day, those guys got to execute it the way it's supposed to be executed. Yeah, I'm with you, and because and and I think that's the that has been the the hard part for Sixers fans to wrap their head around because we saw Harden obviously at the at the trade deadline uh, in February in the Ben Simmons deal come over and and people were excited and people looked at it like okay this is going to work he finally you know got somebody with Joel who can carry the scoring load and we saw Maxi's ascension right now and uh, before he got hurt it was certainly playing at, at at least maybe an All Star level but. I think people are looking at him as a guy who who should be able to make an all-star team in the next couple of seasons. But what the the issue I believe people have is that when you look at this, and you and you mentioned that with the coaching, and again, I'm with you. I'm not you can't blame this all on Doc that the fact that they've missed two of the three best players for two-thirds of the season, but it's the situations they're put in, right? Whether it's Joel Embiid getting the ball in the high post, no movement whatsoever on the wings, no back cuts, no screens. He gets the ball in the post. Four guys are standing around. And I think that's where people get frustrated watching this Sixers team is that there's no innovation to the offense coming out of a timeout. You don't see, like you remember in the Warriors in their heyday, it seemed like every time they came out of a timeout, at the minimum, at the minimum, they were getting an open look. They were getting a great shot at the rim you you with the Sixers you see it doesn't matter if it's like the end of the game there's there's no imagination to the offense and I think that's where people have started to get frustrated um look at, at this team still though the Sixers very good defensively one of the top five defenses in the league in terms of defensive rating offensively that's been a struggle as you mentioned uh pick and rolls and and again not having Harden and Maxi is going to impact that but when you look at the ceiling for the Sixers team right? let's say everybody gets healthy you're not missing 
Embiid, Harden, Maxi for an extended period. They're around for for a 30, 40 game stretch. Where do you put the Sixers in the Eastern Conference in the in terms of at their best? Do you think they have a shot to contend with a team like Boston or Milwaukee, given what they have? Or are you looking at that with Daryl Morey? Still has some wiggle room under the cap. Still has a roster spot available and can make one available uh, pretty easily as well, given the fact that they're two-way contracts. But when you look at, at them, like, do you see them being able to contend with those teams as constructed? Um, in theory, yes. In theory, they, I give them at the very least a puncher's chance. But again, I got to see it in practicality. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's just if I don't see it, I, I can't. You know, if I don't see the pieces on the floor together for an extended period of time and, and give them the requisite amount of time to figure it out, then I, I don't I can't honestly tell you yes with 100 percent assurance. Right. Like I can tell you that in theory, I believe they could. but I, I don't know what that looks like. Look, I like the, the additions that you mentioned. P.J. Tucker, for obvious reasons, we don't need to go into that. I mean, he's not. He's like he's one of these guys that you know his, his stats or lack thereof don't matter. That's not what he's there for. I love the Anthony Melton. I remember watching him in college at SC. Like I mean, this kid mm -hmm. is a legitimate good uh, rotation player in the NBA. Um, defensively, is is I think really good at times. Um, and then you know offensively, certainly can play as well. I, I think they're a good team, and I love Maxi. I mean, listen, I did when. When Maxi was in the draft, I did a uh, a feature for ESPN about him and Anthony Edwards because they were working out together, um, and they were working out at the time with Ben Simmons. I know I probably shouldn't say that name on this podcast, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but they were working out with Ben. Uh, Darius Garland was another guy, and Darius Garland was actually the guy working with uh, Tyrese the most. Um, so it's interesting because I feel like those guys, although Darius is a much more natural shooter than Tyrese, I think Tyrese... Uh, has become a, a very good shooter, obviously, and they have much more similarities to their games um, than I would have even anticipated after watching Tyrese uh, play a ton uh, that summer before he got drafted. But, yeah, look, I, I, I like the Sixers roster. I think it's great. I, I honestly, if they were healthy, like before the season, I'm like, you know, they can be like a one or two seed, maybe, you know, like that top mm -hmm. three seed. Like I thought they, that was kind of where they would be. And then it was, it's always going to be about the playoffs with them. It's, and it's not just, you know, a doc thing, which obviously has been documented, um, particularly more recently over the last decade or so. Um, but a hardened thing to me, that's where this lies in a lot of ways. Cause I feel like Joel for the most part has done his job in the postseason, Um, and, and I feel like Tyrese a hell of a job last year in that series. I covered that Miami series with them for ESPN. I did a couple of those games on ESPN. And I felt like Maxi played played fairly well. Um, so I, I think that to me, the question is, does James Harden fit right with this team? Again, in theory, it should work. Um, but I think ultimately what happens is in a playoff series, you know, you're talking about teams game planning for each other in a way that just doesn't happen during the regular season. And it's less about now about what your strengths are but what your weaknesses are to me in the postseason. And the weakness is going to be that James Harden potentially can be had on the defensive end, right? And I think mm -hmm. that can he be exploited there? Can he not be exploited, I guess, rather, for the Sixers' sake, is the question to me. And, and obviously, 
for one reason or another, historically, he has not performed even on the offensive end the same way. Um, he's had moments, um, but for whatever reason, it's not, you know, it, it, it hasn't lived up to what we've seen historically during the regular season for him. So I think to me, those are bigger questions than Doc. Uh, although, again, I think the Doc stuff, some of it is valid. Uh, as, you know, he's when you've lost those series the way you've lost them, you know, particularly the ones where he was up. There are legit questions to be had, and it's you know it's probably why he's not uh, the Clippers coach anymore. You know what I mean? Because of uh, perhaps an unwillingness at times to uh, change from what he's comfortable with. So, but you know, you can also say that what he's what he's done historically has gotten his teams fairly deep in the playoffs and has gotten him a championship. So, you know, I, I'm not who am I to judge him, right? Uh, I can tell you kind of what I think from you know a. 10,000 foot view and from my uh, or, you know, occasionally my opportunities from covering a particular game or a particular series or whatnot. So I, I do think that, you know, Doc, like most coaches can be stubborn about stuff, <laughs> but I, I don't think that that's just a, a thing that's uh, a Doc Rivers thing. I think a lot of coaches can kind of get stuck in their ways for one reason or another or about something or another. Yeah, and, that, and you you hit the nail on the head there, George. When you when you mentioned that too, like even even with the Doc stuff, the Harden, you know, with the dynamic of him being a defensive liability, all of this really doesn't matter for the Sixers at this point because, and, I, and I've said this on the podcast several times before, it's all dependent on what they do in the playoffs, right? They can go forty five and thirty seven, get into a as a six seed, and if they make the finals, everybody's going to be like, hurrah! You know what I mean? Nobody cares. They can also win fifty five games and and lose in the second round, and everybody's going to be like. This season was a failure. And so I think that's where the looking at this squad from a a level of like a bigger picture thing, they might struggle right now. They might even be 15 and 15 at the 30 game mark, but everybody's going to judge this team what they do in April and May. And I'm with you. If if Harden isn't in sync on the defensive end, if Doc doesn't have them, there's so many little factors to this, to the success of this team that we're not going to be able to really fully digest it all until the playoffs roll around. Can, uh, listen, can, yeah. can, can James can James defend? To me, the key to all of this is can James defend the playoffs and can he run the offense the way that they want to envision running the offense? Um, and they, I mean, Doc and Joel and everyone else on the floor. Um, to me, it boils down to him. You know, you've made this investment in him. Now, he has also uh, done you guys a solid from a contract perspective to allow mm -hmm. the flexibility that uh, that they've created. But this is going to be about James Harden at the end of the day. I know it'll also be on Doc, to your point. But to me, this is about can James Harden take um, all the criticisms that he's received, um, and some valid, some not, and can he turn that on its head to give this team a, a chance to win a championship or get to the finals? Yeah, and 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 again, looking looking at what happened last year in the playoffs, that Miami series, and I know you know we look at the the fact that his hamstring wasn't totally right, um, given the fact that what happened in Brooklyn, and then he had to get get ready, and he, he does, does look better, and he started off the season pretty well this year, although it didn't equate to a ton of team success. But I, I'm with you. I mean, obviously, people not encouraged by what we saw in the loss against uh, the Rockets in terms of his shooting performance, had a couple of ugly possessions with the game on the line. Again, first game back, though, after after basically missing a month. So we're going to have to wait and see. And, and I think that 
has been the key factor to all this is we know what Joel Embiid's going to bring. We know what Tyrese Maxey's going to bring. Hell, we even know what T Tobias Harris is going to bring. The question is what's going to happen with Harden? Not clearly not the MVP level Houston Rockets guy that we saw, you know, four or five years ago. But where is he going to be at when the games matter the most? Uh, George, going to take a quick break here. I just want to jump in some Lakers talk. You you have your radio show on ESPN LA. Obviously, the Lakers are the you know one of the premier franchises in the NBA. So I want to do that after a short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Uh, George, I want to jump into some Lakers talk. Starting to look like they started to figure things out. You mentioned the the Russell Westbrook factor earlier in terms of where he fit in, seemingly doing a better job in terms of with the two-man game with AD, uh, not being this huge polarizing figure, although it still is a little bit in LA. Um, but the Lakers, seven and three overall, they're taking on the Raptors tonight. No LeBron James, no Anthony Davis. Looks like they're both going to be out. But you mentioned, obviously, AD coming back with a vengeance, right? Having a, the 40-point games, looking like the AD who dominated in the bubble a couple of seasons ago that helped the Lakers win a championship. Uh, when you look at this Lakers squad, same question to you, really, in essence, is how far can they go? And and you mentioned the, the, the Western Conference looks to be deeper. Obviously, Phoenix... Uh, a team that has all all of the tools to win a championship crashed out of the playoffs last season. You got the Pelicans who have been, I don't want to say a surprise team. I think a lot of people look at New Orleans like, hey, this squad can make some noise if it stays healthy and is cohesive. We're seeing that. The Grizzlies, Sacramento has been a surprise. And then you're going to have the Warriors who I feel like will make a move at some point in the playoffs. But do the Lakers have enough, do you think, as constructed to get into the top six? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, I would probably say no. Um, unless Anthony Davis is legitimately going <laughs> to average 35 and 17 the rest of the way. Um, and LeBron continues to be, uh, you know, defy the odds uh, and playing at a level we have never really seen a perimeter player play at this stage of his life. Um, which, look, I think that, you know, those two guys are certainly capable, but you're asking a lot for a guy to average 35 and 17, particularly from Anthony Davis, right? Like that's just, I mean, could Le could LeBron do 23, you know, you know, eight and nine? Sure. 24, eight and nine. Yeah. I mean, I expect that from him. Um, but AD to ask AD to be with 35 and 17 for a whole season is pretty crazy. Um, so I think that there, if, if I had to guess, they're probably more of a play-in team. Um, they have been the beneficiary of a softer schedule. Now, granted that, that Milwaukee win is the, honestly, that Milwaukee win that I was there for, for ESPN was probably their best win 
in two seasons, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. last year was terrible for them, obviously. And it really showed with AD, and I spoke to AD after the game about, you know, what he's capable of. And we talked to him about just kind of circling this one against Giannis. And he says he always does. And he feels that Giannis probably does the same thing with him. Um, and and look, it shows that if you look at just the skill set, the consistency, because clearly Giannis has the consistency. But Anthony Davis's skill set, to me, is slightly better than Giannis's because there's a more consistent jump shot mm-hmm. than Giannis has. And But Giannis's intensity and consistency is what AD has lacked, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, during his career. And injuries have certainly plagued him, obviously, throughout, right? Like, I don't think there's any question, particularly the last two seasons. And what we've seen from him now is kind of like this renaissance. And you kind of forget, oh, yeah, he's still just 29 years old. <laughs> like, he can certainly play at this incredible level and be a top five player or a top 10 player uh, in the NBA. And my guy, Richard Jefferson, my colleague here at ESPN, has said uh, last year when Anthony Davis was not playing up to snuff and he couldn't uh, get in the lineup because of injuries, he said Anthony Davis is a top five talent, but he's not a top five player because he can't put it together right. and he's not available enough. And I think that those criticisms were fair. But now we're seeing that. So I, I just think they're a playing team. Like, I, I think that I mean, could they be, could they sneak into six? Maybe. But I'm looking at the playing scenario at the moment at the West, right? And you have Dallas in there still at seven. You have Golden State at ten. I I think both those teams will probably finish closer to that top six, if I had to guess. So can the Lakers kind of be in that range? Maybe they have an outside shot at a six seed. But if I'm if I'm being honest, like I probably think they're they're in that seven to ten range. And, and and you mentioned the the landscape in in the Western Conference, right? I mean, Utah obviously a team has crashed back to earth after its great start, and then you got the Portland Trailblazers, who I I don't know what the hell they've done with Damian Lillard's time there, but I mean, who knows if they're going to be able to hold their spot? Yeah. But I and like I, I like I like what Portland has done in regard. I li- I think Shaden Sharp is going to be a real player in this. League. Oh, same, I just yeah. think that yeah, I just think Dame. Look, Dame has had some injuries, uh, you know, unfortunate injuries, which missed a couple weeks uh, on a couple of occasions. But I, I I like what Chauncey's building there. I, I did one of their games earlier this season that uh, they lost to Memphis. But they uh, I, I like what they're what they're building there. I think there's something there. It's just can they do it on Dame's timeline, which I, I don't know is the question. Yeah, that's gonna and they got they got good young pieces. Anthony Simons, you look at they got Jeremy Grant in the offseason. Yeah. again, not not young totally. Jeremy but- Grant, Jeremy Grant, I think the best under the radar move this past offseason. Jeremy Grant is a legit playoff performer. Uh, and a good, and he's only gotten better on offense. Like he's always been good defensively. He, I think, uh, as far as like the non-star player trades or moves or you know signings, I mean, he was a trade, obviously. I think that was the best one this offseason. Yeah, the, and they they acquired him for not not much in terms of the bigger picture. So you're you're looking at that more of salary dump there. Uh, for Detroit. So again, that that is another team you look at that's going to be hovering around that six to 10 range. And then I think the Timberwolves, although the, the Carl, Carl Anthony Towns obviously being injured, uh, the Rudy Gobert stuff hasn't worked out. I think that thing's a disaster, dude. Yeah, it's a and it's it's not working. It's and, but again, if they could figure it out, they're another team that's going to be in that in that discussion for being a play-in team that the Lakers will have to kind of compete against. But I'm with you. I, it hasn't looked good so far. And the going with the two big men, um, reminds me back of the of the '90s and early 2000s basketball, where play on the block and and try and dominate there, which obviously is not the way the NBA is uh, constructed. The teams it, are anymore. It, 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 it's one of those things where I'm like, man, they had such a good thing going last year, 
And I'm thinking to myself, you know what they really need? They could use probably just like another wing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just like yeah. one of those like hybrid three fours, like a Jeremy Grant, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, there you and, go. Yeah. And, and, and if they would have just if they had if they added him, let's just say they added him instead of Rudy Gobert, this Minnesota team would be a legit threat to come out of the West, in my opinion. But they chose Rudy Gobert, which I don't even understand. I mean, the entire league, like Rudy Gobert is great defensively, but there's got to be an offensive fit there in some way, shape, or form. And you don't have a traditional point guard that can get them the ball. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is fine, but he's not like, I don't think he's a great point guard. Um, he's more of a he's better scorer than he is actually a distributor, uh, in my opinion. And But at the very least, you still probably would have needed that, that guy that can actually settle, settle you down and get you into offense. But you could find a guy that can do that for 20 minutes in a game. Um, that, that would have been a lesser need, um, had they gotten a guy like Jeremy Grant instead of traded five picks, Rudy Gobert, which by the way, set the entire league upside down because when Rudy Gobert was traded for five picks and swaps or whatever it ended up being, it changed the math on anyone trying to get any, anything done and accomplished, including, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, uh, Donovan Mitchell went for a ton more than probably he, he would have gone for because the, the Minnesota Timberwolves set the marketplace with that trade for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and I was, I was just going to mention you said the KD thing. Like, who knows if if the if the T Wolves don't pay that price for Rudy Gobert? Who knows what happens with with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn? Obviously, he had made that request, didn't want to come back with with uh, Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Ended up doing that anyways. But again, you're right. If if that deal doesn't get made, perhaps Kevin Durant is in Phoenix. Perhaps Kevin Durant is somewhere else. And and again, that's a league altering trade that we would have seen. So uh, thank you there to, to the Timberwolves for screwing that up for us. And at least we get to see them play some clunky basketball with Rudy Gobert and uh, Carl Anthony Towns. George, last couple of questions for you. Number one, uh, looking at LeBron James, getting back to the Lakers here, uh, obviously one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion, number two, because I grew up in the 90s where Michael Jordan is still and always will be, I think, to me, the guy in terms of his dominance. So uh, LeBron right there at number two for me. But when you look at the lack of team success over the last uh, few years, does that complicate things at all when you think people look at LeBron's tenure? Yes, won a championship in the bubble, um, some people obviously call it the Mickey Mouse championship. I don't agree with that. I think uh, the teams were all on an equal playing field. You didn't have any travel. The mental health stuff is is a, a topic for another day. But looking at LeBron, uh, the last you know four years, looks like if the Lakers don't get in this season, uh, he'll be missing the playoffs again with the Lakers. That'll be uh, year number three out of the last five. But when, when you look at his his time with the Lakers, yes, they got that championship in 2020. I haven't had a whole lot of success other than that ended up crashing out in the first round against Phoenix in 2020-21. What is your, let's say LeBron retires after the season, which I don't think he will, but what do you classify his tenure with the Lakers as, um, again, if they don't make the playoffs this season? I would say um, it's complicated, right? Because to your point, they did win a championship. And but I do think that the Lakers have not done him a ton of favors. And depending on who you believe, uh, he may have not done himself some favors in regards to the roster construction. Now, I, I believe this is what I believe. I believe that the Lakers. First season there, I thought they made huge mistakes and I was very vocal about this um, so much so that I'll tell you a funny story about it after the fact. Um, when they signed, remember that first team, it was all the young guys. It was Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, yeah. Kyle Kuzma, all those guys. 
But the guys they signed were Michael Beasley, Rondo, who eventually became an effective player for them for that championship team. But Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, there's someone else in there that I'm that I'm missing um, that they signed that offseason. And my thought was, you didn't sign any shooters. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like you, you, like Miami and Cleveland, uh, Miami, you know, first, because the first iteration of Cleveland wasn't that great, obviously, but the Heat and the Cavs, the second iteration of the Cavs with LeBron, showed you the recipe. <laughs> like, make sure LeBron is surrounded by guys that can shoot the ball, whether it's Ray Allen, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, James Jones in Miami, uh, or in Cleveland, you know, you had J.R. Smith, right? You had Kyle Korver, you had, you know, Kevin Love, obviously, who could shoot the ball Kyrie can shoot the ball you know what I mean like one in Miami I forgot Chris Bosh obviously um like that was the recipe (laughs) and then they bring in these guys who are all like they're fine players in their own right in some way shape or form but they weren't what is you're what you're supposed to have when you build around LeBron so I was very vocal about that uh both on TV and on radio about how I didn't understand how the heck this was the team they decided to build around him and I remember at summer league uh, I was doing, the Lakers were in the championship game at summer league. And I was on the sideline for that game and magic Johnson. I w- was walking by him, kind of reached out to me and said, Hey, what, you're not going to say hello. And I was like, Hey, what's up? And I just kind of <laughs> said hello. And I was, and I felt like that was partially magic is great and magic, but it's also kind of like, I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I know, you know, it was, it was a little bit of both and it was, Super friendly and super cordial, but you know, like I, I could tell that there was something there. And honestly, the Lakers don't. I, I I feel like I hold them to a standard on radio, and they get really mad because I I I'm critical of them. Um, I don't hold punches in that regard. If your team isn't good, I can't paint a picture that they are. Um, but I remember that season saying, "You guys got to trade for Anthony Davis. If you trade for Anthony Davis, you're gonna you're gonna win a trophy. Like that's just the bottom line. Like he's as good a player as there is in the league, and you do whatever it takes to get him to get that player there. And they did. They obviously eventually did. They didn't do it that season. If you remember that season, there was a big drama in Philly, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. where Magic Johnson flew to talk to the team to tell them, you know, kind of pacify the situation because they couldn't get a deal done." with New Orleans, with Del Demps at the time, who was the general manager, not David Griffin. Um, and so that season goes by the wayside. Eventually, during the offseason, David Griffin is now in charge. Rob Palenka is now in charge. They get the deal done for Anthony Davis. They eventually win the championship. So I you know, I was there saying, hey, look, see, I told you this would happen. Although probably no one in El Segundo remembers that part of the equation uh, <laughs> that I had mentioned that th- if you just do this, this will work. Um, and then here's the problem. The year after that, if you recall, they were actually really good uh, early in the season. I want to say they started the season like 20 and six or. Yeah, they were, they were really good. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. And that they had added Mont- They had the, the championship team together. They had added Montres Harrell. I got, they got rid of Dwight and they brought like Harrell. They got rid of McGee too. And there was someone else. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, long story short, um, they. LeBron turned his ankle. Uh, actually, Solomon um, Hill rolled into LeBron at a, in a game in L.A., I believe, and it was a terrible ankle roll. And LeBron missed a good chunk of time and then came back. It was never really the same. Like He tried to come back too early, and that season went by the wayside, too. They get bounced in the first round. Um, AD was also injured, obviously, at that, that season. He didn't really come into the season in great shape coming off the bubble because um, of the quick turnaround. 
And that season, they get bounced by Phoenix, which, by the way, they had a 2-1 lead against Phoenix in that mm-hmm. particular series. And then everything went sideways on them uh, after that. Phoenix ends up going to the finals. So I feel like that team been something had they not been derailed by health or Solomon Hill just – I mean, he didn't roll LeBron's angle on purpose. Um, you know, he fell down. Um, but that, that, I felt like, derailed them. And, you know, they've just made a lot of mistakes. You know, if I go back to that first year, uh, I, I skipped over something before they won the championship. Uh, you know, Rob Palinka and them and Magic traded Ibiza Zubats for Mike Muscala. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I remember that one, too. <laughs> and it's like, look at what Ibiza Zubats has turned into. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they basically gave him away for nothing. Um, it, it just, you know, they've made a lot of questionable decisions beyond the Anthony Davis move. Um, and the Russell Westbrook stuff, right? And look, was LeBron involved with that? I don't know. I'm not in those rooms, but I'm guessing he had to have some real input. But from my history around LeBron is he will tell you how he feels. But at the end of the day, you're the one as the general manager, the president of basketball operations, whatever, that has to pull the trigger on this stuff and make it work. Um, and if, if my thing is, if, if the Lakers at that time, who clearly were, you know, there was a lot of angst about the way that season went last year. And even early on this season and in the offseason, there was a lot of trade rumors about Russ that, you know, no one put a gun to your head to make to call Washington and make the deal for Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope. You know what I mean? Like, because if, if you look at the Lakers, what they're missing, guys like Contavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma who can defend and shoot the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, could would Kyle Kuzma be scoring, you know, 20 points a game in L.A.? Maybe. Probably not, though, is my guess. Um, and he's, you know, he had a recent conversation with somebody I saw. I didn't, I don't remember who the writer is. So my apologies to that person about how he's been able to kind of, his game has been able to flourish in Washington. It has, but with Kyle would be like, okay, your individual game has flourished, but you'd be on a Lakers team where you could actually contribute to winning more, perhaps. Um, so yeah, it, it, they've made some questionable decisions. And I, I think that the legacy of LeBron there. In retrospect, as time goes by, we'll look back and say, well, he did win a championship there because we'll forget about all these little details we just talked about for the last 10 minutes, um, but, or at least for the most part. And, but I, I think that people will look back at it and say, yeah, it probably could have been more. Um, but there were a number of extenuating circumstances and some circumstances that were not so extenuating that they had control over. Yeah, and that, that goes back to that. You, you, you mentioned that Muscala trade. It was the Lakers don't have shooting. Oh, we have shooting. And then, then there was that, I'm not going to be here anymore from Magic, the quotes. And, and you look at that, uh, this whole tenure of LeBron. And obviously, even when the Lakers didn't have LeBron, right? You go back to those Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, uh, Kyle Kuzma well, days. Look, they're still the national kids, spotlight, right? Yeah, all those kids turned out to be pretty good for the most part. Like, at the very least, yeah. they're good players. They may not be stars. I think Brandon Ingram is an, obviously, he's an all-star. I think Lonzo, unfortunately, injuries have kind of become a problem with him because he, I thought he, his his tenure in in, uh, in New Orleans was pretty good. And I thought, yeah, at least initially in Chicago, he was very good. Um, and, you know, Kuzma has, 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 has evolved as well, and his game is, is, is pretty good. So they, you know, Zubats we just mentioned, like they, they had guys. Uh, Russell, you know, I'm not the biggest Russell guy in regards to his game. I think he's a great kid. Um, but, you know, he's a good player. Like, I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Like, he's a good player. I just don't know if he's what Minnesota needs. But, look, man, I, I just think that look around this league, and, and we just kind of bring it back to Philly, right? This thing is really fragile, man. Like, it's hard to win a championship. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I looked at Philly and I know, and I like Daryl a lot. I think Daryl is a great GM. And I, I know that he's going to do everything in his power to try to get a championship to this, to this team with Philly. Um, and I think Joel is one of the you know best players in the sport. Uh, I think Joel has grown as a leader, but this stuff is fragile, man. You know, an injury here, an injury there, a bad deal here, a bad trade there. Uh, you know, it just, that stuff can happen. One little thing can derail your entire season when you look back in, in retrospect. And it may not seem that way in the immediacy of it, but when time kind of like, and you have time to zoom out a little bit, um, it, you can see that, you know, a couple of little things here or there could change a season. And I know people say that's excuse making, but it really is the reality of it. And it, it takes a good, a good team and a great team to win a championship, but it takes a bleep ton of luck too. <laughs> and, and I mean by luck as in good luck, because bad luck is, is kind of the norm in sports because it's all a battle of attrition in one way, shape or form. So I know Philly fans want a championship desperately. I know Philly fans want to get to a conference finals, obviously all that stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, it's been a long time. Right. And, and I get that, but it's very, very fragile in, in, in any sport, but um, particularly in the NBA, man, it's a long season and there's a lot of things that got to go right. And you got to avoid a lot of pitfalls that just happen to every team for the most part during the season, you know? So I feel for Philly fans because I do think that they have a great team. They've had a very, a very good team for a long time now uh, in different iterations of it. But I, I, I believe that Joel Embiid is one of the best players in the sport. And much like the Lakers, uh, I, I feel like eventually, you know, they got LeBron that championship. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for Joel's sake that, and for the city's sake, that you guys get one eventually with Joel because he's certainly one of those generational type talents that, that deserves to, to be in that in that category yeah definitely and he's playing like an mvp candidate this season has has for the last couple of years obviously finished second in, in voting last season but uh I, i'm with you i think people are are hoping for that they're ready for that and you mentioned a lot of factors going into winning a championship from injuries to uh chemistry to making sure like if one guy's off and in, in terms of let's say harden doesn't pick it up that could derail this whole thing for the Sixers. so again there's so many factors to it we're gonna have to keep an eye on it from now th till april to the playoff start and hopefully the sixers can turn things around and maybe Maybe, maybe not. We'll do a podcast somewhere down the line. Maybe Doc Rivers, uh, George, isn't a part of the equation, which I think would make Sixers fans pretty happy uh, at this point. Let's wrap things up here, George. I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, one of the best in the business. Uh, you catch you on ESPN. You do a great job with the sideline reporting. Obviously, you're showing ESPN LA and a frequent um, contributor on Around the Horn as well. So thanks for taking the time out to join me and enjoy the uh, Celtic Suns game tonight. You got it, bud. Thanks again for having me. All right, that'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, and uh, we'll be back on Friday with the postgame show after the Lakers take on the Sixers back in Philly. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.